What's up, y'all? This is uh, B Fields. Welcome to another episode of Tap In. Uh, we got a couple more episodes before the end of the season, so I appreciate everybody that's been tuning in and uh, checking us out for real. So today, got on my uh, one of my good friends from school, uh, Josiah, aka Josiah the King. He's a producer. Um, so Josiah, just talk about yourself a little bit. Uh, tell people what you've been on, like what you've been doing since you graduated. All right, cool. Yeah, my name is Josiah. Uh, I go by Josiah King. I'm a music producer, um, as well as just the creative director in general. Definitely getting more into that music. But yeah, so me and B feels both with the Purdue together. Uh, I graduated Purdue last December, and now I've just been here working back in my hometown in Indy, making ends meet, and happy to be on the show. So just kind of, we're going to take this like all the way back. So like when you first decided, if you check out Josiah's page, which I'm going to have a link on my Instagram page for, um, makes beats. So what um, like made you go that route? Like take us back to the first time you was in this, like on the computer or whatever you did your stuff from and like was cooking up something. All right. All right. So actually really, uh, my brother is actually the first person who kind of introduced me to uh, producing. His name is Victor H. Beats. He's actually a year younger than me. Uh, so basically, if we want to go all the way back, we get a household computer. It actually had FL Studio on it. So he just loaded it up, started playing around in it, making stuff. Didn't really think much of it, but he really like got interested into it and started making beats probably like 13, 14. And from there, he just kind of went everywhere when it like he was deep in kind of the underground Chicago scene, really working with a lot of artists out there. Uh, some of his biggest credits are he worked with Miss Mulatto before she blew. He got a record with her and Love Fo, probably his two most popular records that he had with artists. So pretty much my brother been doing this price since like 2014, 2015. And so but we only have one computer in the house, so only one producer in the house. So right. I feel it. Doing that, getting the head started, and I'm just watching him, learning a lot of stuff and doing that. So then I'm going off to college. Um, I'm getting, like, laptops and stuff, looking at it for school. But I'm also, like, I want to try my hand at production. So um go to the store, pick up stuff, and I'm like, all right, this is cool for school. But I'm like, how can it do it? Like, if I'm trying to run an X, Y, and Z program, if I'm trying to, you know, do stuff like that, like, it's cool. So give me that. And pretty much I started producing right after I graduated high school. So that's like my producer journey. So um started doing that the summer of 2017. And then all through college, pretty much anytime I had free time, didn't want to do something or you know, just got bored. I just was producing pretty much something every day learning. And so yeah, so I'm like about four years into it now. And I think I'm finally like just getting to my stride and getting exactly where I want my sound and everything to be. So pretty much that's the long version of how do I get here 2021 being a music producer. So like when you uh, learn um, how to, I guess, like make beats and like basically like create like a sound, um, the sound that you want is, are you like self-taught or did you uh, kind of just, your brother kind of showed you the ropes with that? So honestly, it's really a mix of like self-taught and YouTube. Truthfully, I was always in competition with my brother. Like I didn't want to go to him for nothing. 
uh, like until I had my stuff right. Like I wanted him to be like, all right, like this is tough, this is hard. So right. He, so he was after like I did something. Most of the time he would tell me like, all right, this ain't all the way there. You could do this better. And um, it was kind of more like a friendly competition, but really it was me like spending hours with the program, you know, trying to do stuff and everything. Also like on YouTube, like if I couldn't figure out how to do one specific thing, I just YouTube that one thing, watch a video and be like, oh, okay, this is how somebody do it. I don't like the way they do it. Let me see if somebody else do it different. And then literally just months and months and hours and hours of just working at it till I figured out like a system and a flow that worked for me. So I guess for like people who don't know, um, so like when you think uh, about like going into like the music space, everybody want to be like the artist. They all want to be the, the face of whatever's going on, making the rhymes and everything, making uh, rapping or whatever. So like, what is the, I guess like the producer's job when like a project is like being made? That's a great question. So really ideally, a producer's job really includes everything from like making the beat to also really like helping with the song structure and then kind of like making it great so we, we get it to the engineer whose job is to like mix it and make it ready for you to listen to. So in an ideal world, as a producer, you can sit down with an artist, they can say, hey, I want a beat at this tempo. I want it to have this kind of vibe. You sit down, you make something like that, or you have a back catalog of stuff that sounds like that, and y'all go through, pick a beat together, they write a song. Um, you know, you make the beat, but you also be like, oh, okay, this part right here, you know, you pick up, so save your hardest bars right here. So really, like, producing is quite literally, like, the same way you think of, like, a movie producer to somebody who's walking through every single step of, like, how the movie's being made. The same thing you do for music and beat making and stuff like that. Um, in an ideal world. And, you know, it boils down to people producing in different ways, but it's really just all about, you know, trying to see that product from the start to the finish. What made you decide to go that route instead of um, being a rapper or anything or an engineer, or, um, uh, like audio engineer, basically? That's a great question, too. So really, it's like, when you think about music and it really comes down to what your passion is. So me personally, like I'm always keying in on production and lyricism. And then also the people that I'm inspired by the most are great producers and also um, talented artists as well. So me personally, when I was listening to music and on my hearing beats and stuff, I felt like I wasn't hearing enough of the kind of beats that I like. So I was like, if you don't, hear enough of what you want out there you gotta make it so right. i sat down you know started learning getting samples chopping that up and i'm like this is the stuff i want to hear so this is stuff i want to make and hopefully you know you go out and you find the audience and the artists and stuff who like what you make who want to you know keep that sound alive and you frame it that way but really like i said it's all about your passion so if you have a passion for producing music and being a lyricist do both um, it's probably, it'll benefit you one, the most if you're an artist who could produce, because if you get tough at producing and you got, you know, some of the hottest beats, now you already got like an, an endless supply instead of necessarily maybe chasing, producing or production. Um, you know, that's something in your wheelhouse, but really it's all about what you're passionate about and what you're capable of doing. Right. 
So if you're not passionate about producing, then, you know, artistry might be just a rap for you. Like you go in, you write your rhymes, you do what you do, you sing, and you let somebody who's passionate about it do it. If you have a passion for both, you figure out how to make it happen. Me personally, um, I think my passion for artistry helps my production because really like I'm a big rap fan in general. I'm big to the sound of music, the way things flow. So it's like that in itself and understanding like the structure of music, where things should go, help me in my production. So really, like I said, it's all about what you're passionate about, what you think you have the wheelhouse to do. And then from there, you just kind of figure it out and take it step by step and create your musical journey. But it's never a sense of limiting yourself, which is all about what do you enjoy doing. So just kind of getting to like the details of kind of like um, of making uh, a beat. Where does sampling come from? Like, uh, are you just like, do you have like specific, like, is there like a specific era that you like to sample songs from? Or is it just like uh, you kind of just go through and whatever kind of catches your ear is kind of what you go with? So sampling is a little bit of both, honestly. It really just depends on the day. So like me personally, some of my favorite stuff to sample is soul. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's not uncommon. Soulful records have, you know, kind of been some of the forefronts of some of the biggest records of hip hop. You think about international players after UGK, Outkast. Right. Um, that is built on the Willie Hutch sample, I Choose You, an incredible song. And Willie Hutch is actually one of my favorite people just to listen to in general and sample his music because it just, it sounds so great in so many different ways. But it's like, some days I'm like, okay, cool. I want like, I want some soulful. I want to, you know, find something, chop that up, get right to like, you know, some real root or like put something trappy on it. But then some days I'm like, I'm feeling like 90s R&B-ish, 80s R&B-ish, trying to find that kind of like tempo, flip that into something that's a little bit more modern day R&B is really all about, you know, kind of like sometimes you're just looking for something and sometimes I'm just aimlessly listening to something and I'm like, oh, that part right there, like, I think if I loop that up, that'll be hard. Or I'll be listening to something super obscure that I would never listen to because sometimes some of the greatest samples are found in like music from other cultures, music and other genres, um, stuff that people don't tap into as much. That's how you can kind of find gold there and just make some out of it. So really it's like, it's just about one, making yourself more aware of music in general. Um, I found that a lot of times you find the best stuff when you're a fan of the music. So like, some of my favorite samples, some of the stuff I've found, it's just literally for me, like listening to an album that I already enjoy, like, oh, this part right here, like, if I- Listen, we can work with that. Right, right. right. We can make something happen with that. So it's literally like, there's no rules to it. And that's the beautiful thing about it. It's no rules for it. It's really what you create. It's your own infrastructure. And, you know, really the goal is to make what you enjoy. And from there, you really can't go wrong. One thing I will say is uh, since I've been in college, like I really like had the opportunity to like sit down and actually like listen to music. Cause I guess like coming up, I kind of stuck to like mm -hmm. a couple genres and then I was like, I'm not listening to nothing else kind of real close-minded in that way. But the older I got and like the more stuff I started to hear, I can hear a lot of the old stuff. Cause I love old, old school music. Like, 
parents all well they're older and you know saturday mornings listening to all, all their stuff car rides all their stuff and i can hear it in the stuff today when some of the samples that uh, a lot of these artists use so it's just been it's just been crazy and then i also follow that one page on twitter um that has like all the samples and i'm just amazed like it's truly like an art like it's crazy it really is and really even if you think about it on a deep level it's kind of like you know you take it back to africa almost and the way that we spread our lineage through stories through you know the histories and writing and then you bring it back to music today it's like the way that we keep the 80s and the 90s alive is people sample it people you know reintroduce it to a crowd like now we're getting to the age to where we're hearing songs that was hot when we were little being sampled now like the busted challenge yeah like, exactly like that song was you know when i was crazy crazy and now it's coming back to a group of people who may have heard the song may be familiar or may not be and so they're being introduced to nelly all over again so really it's like sampling at its core is just paying homage it's like this song inspired me so much that i want to you know reinvent it rechange it a little bit but to give it life again but then also like give homage back to where i got it from because you know going back kind of propels us and that's kind of something that's always been deep in our culture and sampling is another way that we do that yeah. and then also when i like kind of look at the history of it as well like a lot of the songs that tupac had a lot of songs biggie had mm-hmm. night uh, i don't want to say 90 but it's a good chunk of their stuff is sampled from r&b from like the 70s and 60s and stuff and like it's um, I think that's what's allowed rap because even at that time, people weren't believing in it. Like, oh, this is just a phase. I think that's what allows it to keep moving because you can sample anything. Absolutely. And it's like, once again, it it not only propels rap for it, but it propels Black music for it. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, on the basis of things, if you're doing it properly, I'm sampling an older Black artist. Now in the streaming area, I'm giving them, you know, a percentage of my record, as well as if you're a music person like I am, like you are, like other people are, you going and listening to the original record, like, man, this album is crazy. So I'm putting money in your pockets from my record. I'm giving, you know, people the opportunity to go and find your record and give you streams on yours. So really, you know, sampling is something that should be pushed, should be, you know, more prevalent and Push forward because really, it, once again, it's a way that we we push our culture, we make it more beneficial for the legends within our culture, and also we, we can make great music out of it. And it's a uh, kind of a like you said, it's really paying homage because I was like, I thought so much of your song, of the sound that you had on a song or an album or whatever, that I want to use it for me. For my uh, kind of want to use it as an inspiration for what I'm trying to make. So it's really it's really crazy how that works now. For sure, for sure, and that's that's why I always like I'm a big proponent of it because like some people kind of try to dog it and act like mm-hmm. it's not you know creative or anything like that. And I think that you know it's it comes from not really understanding one the process of it but I also really like the history of hip hop. Like the first hip hop song 
was not on, you know, in a quote unquote original beat. Right. Taken from, you know, an instrumental from a record, looped together, and then people put their rhymes and stuff on top of it. And that's the root of the culture. That's where it all is stemmed in. And that's where it's all, you know, branched out from. And don't ever get it twisted. I love the trap stuff. I love, you know, the, the stuff that Lil Baby and Dirk and all of them be rapping on. And that's great. But on every one of the albums, I guarantee you, they always got at least one sample song on there. Exactly. Whether it's some old, whether it's an old 50 Cent record, where it's an old Gator record. And that's the other thing is like, it ain't even limited to just, it's some old soul. Like you can go sample an old trap record that was bumping when you was coming up as a kid and, you know, rebirth that right into the trap genre. So it's really like, it's just a beautiful thing to me. And it's something that, we should lean into and embrace more. Um, I think that we already do, but like I said, I think music is in a great state anyway because there's really no rules and people are thinking so far out the box. Right. I'll put it amazing stuff. All right, so my next question um, would be, so as a producer, what artists would you, um, like, I guess, I don't want to say dream, but like, artists you are really that's in the game i guess like well not in the game now but just overall that you would like to work with uh big crit for sure that's my big favorite yeah i mess with, I, I mess with big crit one of my uh, friends put me on freshman year i think yeah freshman year i like his i like his stuff man man he he's tough he's somebody that when i was in middle school that's when i really like started getting into listening to music on my own because mm-hmm. Like my musical journey in itself is pretty much all through my teenage years, like up to I was about 13 or 14. I didn't really control what music I listened to. Like in the house, mom, super Christian, gospel always. The only time I might hear something that wasn't gospel was that while I was with my aunt. She was just playing the RB station. So like I kind of missed out on a lot of early the 2000s like albums like I heard the hits I heard you know the stuff that was killing it but I didn't really get into the deep cuts like that so in middle school that's when I kind of was just like all right cool I got a little device I can just kind of listen while I want my headphones and I was just going through people's whole discography uh went through Kendrick's J. Cole's and then somebody posted a Crick album on Twitter actually mm-hmm. And I went download the mixtape and I was the first time I was like, okay, this this is crazy. Like this is something I didn't know one existed, but I didn't know that I needed to. So I listened to the first song, I was like, okay, this is great. Second song, great. Literally every song, I was like, all these songs are fire. Like it's not a bad song on here. I was like, okay, I gotta go to the next project. And I did that for all the projects. I was like, this man legit don't have a bad song. Like he don't have a song I don't like. So, without a doubt, for sure, I would love to um, produce some stuff for Crit, uh, just work with him. And he's also um, a producer and an artist, too. So, that's another thing where, like, I kind of draw inspiration because he's actually produced about 70% of all his songs. That's, man, that's a talent for real. For sure. Like, that's something that you don't see often. And he's he just an excellent producer. So, Crit, for sure. Um, yeah, that's definitely number one on my list. Yeah, I'm not, man, I was the same, I was the same way just about, 
like um, up until I became a teenager, that's all my parents played around us. Deservedly so, because I'm not supposed to be hearing that at like 10, 11 years old. But um, uh, yeah, I was kind of the same way. A lot of stuff in the early 2000s, like I had to come back maybe like late in my high school, like college to hear some of that stuff. Like, I mean, obviously I heard like, because um, T-Pain was pretty big. I only know maybe a couple of songs, like honestly, that I've, um, but a lot of them I had to come back and listen to. Right. So a lot of his stuff, like 50 Cent a little bit, like a lot of those early 2000s, mid-2000s, like R&B and, uh, well, not R&B, hip hop. I ain't really, I ain't really know too much. To, I had to come back and do my like due diligence and really like find it. Yeah, that, and that's same over here. And that's like why these verses are kind of cool because like the one that just passed was Eve and Trina. And I'm not the most familiar with Eve's discography. Like, of course, I know the hits. Of course, I know she's tough. But uh-huh. I haven't sat down and played the Eve album. I'm like, oh, okay, this verse is coming up. I'm at least go peep. I'm like, man, I really like Eve. Like, I really like her delivery, the way she raps on songs. So it's kind of like, once again, it's a way that we look back, but we further our culture once again by putting, you know, our artists, our culture to the forefront and giving it new life again. So, yeah, being able to go back and kind of experience things and find things and then also just like you realize the regionality of music and, you know, see what's popping over in New York, what's popping down south, was what's going on back in the day down south, you know, when people wasn't even aware of it. So all of that is great. I remember I remember I was at a uh, speaking on that um being late to the party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I remember we was at a kickback and they played uh that one song by Bow Wow, the let me I think it's let me up when he's like yeah, this. Yeah. I remember I was sitting on the couch and I see everybody up doing this i'm like bro what did y'all own man so i had to go back and uh, ever since that moment bro i've been trying to uh catch back up for real <laughs> yeah man it's it's so much like just little pockets of stuff that's sprinkled out that make it hard to keep up but once again it's, it's one of them things where it's like it's crazy to go listen to stuff that you haven't heard before but you know it's timeless as soon as you put it on like you know this is a classic, you know, you can only imagine like what it did when it came out because what, what it's doing to you right now is incredible. So even in that sense of, oh yeah, and the Bow Wow and the Soulja Boy versus hilarious, but also yeah. like, me watching and realizing how many other songs, even some of the Soulja Boy songs, because I remember like when I was in second grade, I only ever seen two CDs that wasn't gospel CDs. It was the Chris Brown first, CD and it was the Soldier Boy CD with the blue star on it. And oh man! <laughs> people wore those CDs out. The radio wore the CD out, and I didn't realize how much of you know the music that I knew until they were doing the verse. I'm like, oh, okay, I recognize this record. I remember this. I remember you know this one and that. So yeah, music is just is that man. It's great. Oh, uh, just checking out uh, your page, and I remember seeing this a couple years ago. So one of your songs that you produced was on the Righteous, what was it? The Righteous and Righteous podcast. I've watched a little bit of it. It's pretty, pretty good. I actually like it. And um, so when you heard your, um, 
beat or the uh, your production on that on that podcast pretty big following everything what was that moment like for you it was crazy honestly because like i'm somebody who can strategize but also like i'd be genuinely surprised like my strategy works so to give you the backstory of how it even happened I was a good, a big listener to that podcast before, you know, they went their separate ways and no longer do it anymore. But I was a big listener to the podcast and I was listening one time and I realized, and I was like in the middle of an episode and Doughboy, the artist uh, slash comedian who actually used my beat uh, for the production, I remember him talking about how he had a really bad problem of checking all his DMs. Like he was like, I see all the hurtful stuff. I see all the uplifting stuff. And like, I just can't help that I, I check it. And it was a real moment of like him just talking about the fame and stuff um, and just having an honest moment with Kev on there. But in the back of my head, I was like, so he always checks his DM. So I DM'd him uh, because he also on the podcast, I said he was working on the album. And something as a producer you learn, if somebody lets you know that they're working on the album, they're probably 80 to 90% done. Like they're just telling you that so you get excited. So your window of sending them some production that'll end up on this project is coming out very, very small. All right. All right. He keeps saying he's working on it, and he says he checks his DM. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to DM him. I'm going to say, yo, big fan on the Patreon. I know you're working on an album. I got some production I want to send you. I think you'll like, you know, what I got. So I, I DM him. Uh, two weeks go by, I don't hear nothing. And I'm like, okay. But I'm like, I know he checks it. So... I was like, all right, I'm just spinning the block again. Like, I really got some production I'd like to send to you. And so he responded back. He was like, here's my email. I was like, all right, cool. So I sent him seven beats, I think. Seven is just always like my number of completions. So I just sent seven beats. Listen to him. He got back. He was like, oh, such and such beat is fire. I was like, all right, cool. Like, you want it? He was like, yeah. And he was like, how much were the exclusive rights? I was like, no, X amount of dollars. He was like, okay, cool. So... He sent me half on Cash App, got to be recorded, sent me the other half like a week later after he recorded it and finalized to put it on his album. And then, so he sent me the record. One, I didn't know because the kind of beat it was, I was hoping he got somebody else like to rap with him on it because right. it was like, you know, it's really a classic example, is that kind of vibe. So I was like, I don't know if he would just want to do this alone, but he got to make Kev a hop on it or something like that. <laughs> nah, I knew it would be Kev, but I thought, <laughs> I thought he was going to get like some of his rapper friends or something like that because the beat that he chose wasn't the one I thought he was going to pick. I thought he was going to pick a different one. Oh, uh, okay. His vibe to do on his own, but the one he picked was kind of like it was borderline cypher ish, but it was like it was made for bars. So I'm like, oh, okay. You're going to pick this. Like either he got a lot of rapping to do or he's going to get somebody else to rap on it. So he got um, two other uh, rappers on it. He had Averb and Triangle are both on the record with him. Um, yeah, and so he sent it to me, and he sent me his number, and you know that was crazy. And then it made the album. I was the only other producer on the album because he did that whole album with one producer. So uh-huh. um, I snuck right in there. We went from being one hundred percent by the other dude to. 99.9 because I had that last record that stuck in there and you know it was amazing to see it on there and actually like you know see people enjoying it a lot of people thought it was the best record on there um 
they thought it was like the toughest one. So I was like, that's cool. But yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. But I can't say that you know I didn't strategize and put some effort toward making them moment. But it was a great moment, man. Something I always cherish. Oh, I remember uh, seeing it on your uh, on your page when it when it came uh, when it came out. I was like, "Damn, this dude for real!" Because <laughs> I've always been like a fan of your uh, like your beats and stuff. When you post them on IG, and then when I saw it on there, I'm like, "Yo, like somebody else." I'm I'm not tweaking, <laughs> right? And that same feeling is the same feeling you kind of get as a producer because, like. To me, I always have this belief that anybody that does anything great has a slight delusional level of confidence about them. Uh-huh. You have to be more confident in yourself than probably maybe your ability show people believe in you because you have to truly believe in what you do. Even with that amount of confidence, I, have, I was just a little bit delusionally confident about myself. It's still always the scariest thing of like, okay, but do somebody else like, think this is rappable? Do they think, do they see this as dope? Do they, you know, see the time and the effort and the care that you put into this? And um, especially when it comes to like, you know, trying to sell things, trying to, you know, get on people's projects and stuff, you know, that that can probably be the toughest part about producing is getting outside of your shell because a lot of times you don't like what you make, especially once you get to a certain level of it. But it's like, you can be discouraged if you feel like people don't like the way your music the way that you like it, or you feel like somebody's reaction to something should have been this, because it's like, this is you 100%, but it don't always shake out like that. But yeah, I literally was feeling the same kind of way. She was feeling like, oh, this is real. He really rapped on it. He really got somebody right. to rap on it. He really put it on his other project. Like, it was crazy for sure. Is it uh, frustrating at times? As a uh, producer, you know, you're putting in all this time, all this effort just for you to get critiqued and judged by people who don't really understand what goes into or appreciate um, that type of uh, your art, basically. Are you in the studio hours and hours and hours just um, because honestly, the rap, well, not just rap, but just music in general is based on if people like your stuff or not. Right, you know, right. So how tough is that, I guess, for you at times? I'll be honest. I don't even think I necessarily got into that space all the way of, like, super being critiqued on my music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll probably get there more, like, when I start making my album, um, putting things together. Might even, like, you know, try my hand at being an artist, especially on some of my own stuff, because, like, you know, really enjoying my own production. But to kind of backtrack, the toughest part for me in my stage of producing is not hearing anything. Like, right. you'd be surprised the amount of people, like, I DM, like, yo, you know, big fan of your music, got some beats for you, just want it, won't you take a listen? Not even, like, necessarily super famous people, but it's like, these are people, you know, in my city, adjacent to, you know, my, my size crowd, and, like, you know, being left on scene or sending the beats, you don't hear nothing back. Like, I, I'm at the point where I'd much rather hear you be like, okay, nah, I don't like, you know, none of that. This is my style. Because as a producer, as somebody who's geared to making something that you enjoy, I can take direction. Like, right. Who can say, nah, this ain't really the direction I'm trying to go. Do this. Pivot this way. Because I can much rather 
try to make something different, morph it, do my own spin, but do it how you want, as opposed to you not saying anything because either you feel like maybe you run into a, a, a producer who's a little bit more sensitive than I am or right. you know, more complex or anything like that. Like, I'd much rather hear all of them joints you sent me was trash. I don't know what you think like my style is or whatever, because I can pivot from that. I can be like, okay, I got stuff that's totally different. Maybe you like this. Um, or my thing always is tell me what you want. What, what right. you want like, because I can learn. I probably either know how to make what you want or I can learn how to make what you want. And okay. it's all about growing and being there that way. So really at my stage is just the, the hearing, not hearing back from people not, you know, you know, really aligning with people, trying to understand, people understand your vision and also you trying to understand there that miscommunication, that's the toughest part for me right now. And I'm working my way like through it, also like, you know, trying to maneuver in that space, but it's tough for sure. There's definitely some days where I was just like, I would much rather just make beats and like not even interact with that part at all. But the goal is to make music, so that's like, you know, one of the cons of it is like, we have to have communication, we gotta agree, we gotta get on one accord and it can be tough. So as far as your goal with make, uh, with as a producer, what is like um, your ultimate, like I made it, like what is that point? What would that point be for you? Like, you wanna have your own label, you wanna, you know, like on some, I guess like you want to have your own label. Do you want to go up um, to the top? Basically, is that like your goal with producing? Mm. My my goal honestly is really to one is to build infrastructure um, and kind of create a music scene in Indianapolis in general because uh -huh. I feel like. The amount of people we have here, the amount of artists we have here, the level of artistry that we have, the only thing that's stopping us from being a music city is just infrastructure. People, you know, it, it could kind of be like on the hush-hush of, okay, how do you work with this producer? How you get in such and such studio? You know, right. where is such and such studio? Where do you record at? As opposed to it being like, oh, okay, if I'm this level of rapper, these is this is the entry-level producer or the entry-level rapper. Okay, I'm better than that. Let me go get with the dude who's next level. Oh, we got graphic artists. This is the dude who charged $50 for the cover art. This is the dude who charged $400. This is the dude that charged $1,000. You decide kind of what level of artistry you at and you get connected with that person as opposed to it kind of just being like, oh, okay, I seen something somewhere. Oh, I didn't even know he, he did graphic arts in Indy. Like, right. infrastructure so that, you know, in this game, people can kind of get to that level that they want to. But then also, like, you know, I'm not a big person where it's like, I want to create a label or something because I, I think that, like, I don't know how I feel about labels in general. Like, right. you can sit back and think about, you know, the fact that, you know, we we know Drake, we know Lil Baby, we know Nikki, we know me, we know all these people mega millionaires, tons of money, but somehow all the sweat, all the tears, all the blood they put into making their music, recording, getting better, touring, 
And somehow somebody is still richer off of all the things that they did. Yeah, that, yeah. Somebody who's never had to, probably never had to endure the struggles of artistry, never had to be a creative, is able to, you know, come in and make billions and billions of dollars off of this music. And we don't even get to say so in it. And then also it's like, the only way for people kind of to thrive is to turn around and then what sign artists and put them in some of the same impossible situations again. And somehow it's out of love, but you know, we don't ever look at a system of like, why is the artist the brokest person in the world? Right. It's a CEO, it's an AR, is some lady from accounting, and the artist makes the most, the least off of their money off of the music. Gets the, he gets the last piece of the crown. She gets the last piece of the crown after giving everything in one. And then, you know, at the end of the day, these labels, these empires, these Spotify, these apples, they make billions off of music. And, you know, don't ever have to put in no sweat equity outside of whatever they control to tell us that we needed to, to get our music to be heard. So at the end of the day, I wanna, you know, do right by the people that I do business with, make sure everybody's paid and compensated properly, make sure that, you know, the music that I sample and, you know, those artists that I sample, I want them to be paid and compensated properly. First and foremost, always, like, I just want to really do shit different because, I don't know, it's just, it always bothers me that people put so much into this game they all and you see artists who struggle towards the end of their careers struggle after their career pass away you know not wealthy off of their own labor and somebody was able to hold their masters and all of that and you know they pass away and don't got nothing to leave their family outside of the bits and pieces they were trying to live off of so that's super whack to me and it's not really something I try to be a part of. I want to make good music and let everybody get paid in the process. That's real, bro. Because you see too many, it's like every like by like a uh, documentary of an artist, the same thing happens every time. Like unless they're able to sustain that level of success to where they can make the money. Right. A lot of times that doesn't happen. You get one really, oh my God, the, this is that time you could have made the most money, but because you were with a label and they took dang near all of it, you only get a smith, a little um a little piece of what you probably should have made. And it just don't it just go downhill from there. Far from a financial situation. It's just it's just sad to see that. And then they cut, turn around and do the same thing to somebody else. Right. And then when they die, they put out merch, they drop an album after you die, be your best selling album, you go number one, platinum, they take your stuff on tour, they put you in movies and make money off of it. Like crazy. In life and death, they just make money 10 times off of what you do. And, you know, I just, I don't want to feed into the pipeline of that. I guess to kind of um, kind of wrap it up a little bit, I'm going to ask a couple of little fun questions, kind of lighten everything up and kind of uh, just end the show off of. So sure. uh, so the first question I got for you, so in your opinion, 
this very moment, who do you think has the best project of the year so far? The best project of the year. And as a, and as a producer, I know you hear it differently than everybody else. So I know this is coming from a good place. For sure, for sure. Um, I really enjoy, enjoy G Herbo's project. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed um, his just trajectory as an artist. Mm-hmm. From Roland being one of the first records I heard by him, uh, you know, being super gritty, super in the Chicago streets to having to figure out that this man raps with the 808 as opposed to with the snare, having to understand that. And then now to the point where it's like, he was rapping and rapping on his last project for sure. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed some of the stuff that I heard from him. He's, to me, he's kind of on the same trajectory as Meek, except for he's not doing some of the same bonehead things that Meek was doing uh, as a superstar. So. Really, really like that. Um, I actually listened to Viz Staples project today. Um, really enjoyed that. Also, my guy, Pat Jr. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's actually somebody that I found through a mutual producer, uh, Cabby96. And he's somebody on Twitter that I follow. He's independent, dropped an album called Gold Fangs on Sunday. Really been enjoying music, his um, artistry. You know, independent. He also like makes sounds on the side that he sells, like full composition sample packs with a company. Yeah, really enjoy his project for sure. Yeah, so I'd probably say right now, the things I've enjoyed most have been uh, G Herbo's project and Vince Staples. I, I was listening to that today. Him and Kenny Beast, they did their thing on this. So right now, I'd probably say it's G Herbo's, but. With time, it could change, but for sure, solid year. Vince, yeah, Vince, I gotta uh, tap into that. I'm probably, I'm probably gonna listen to that this weekend. I've been waiting on some more stuff from him. So, uh, my next question, uh, I'm trying to, let me, let me, yeah, all right, it's back to me now. So, you're on death, you're on death row, mm-hmm. you're on death row, and Get that last meal. Okay. Well, what you choosing? What am I choosing? Like anything in the world. Any anything, anything in the world. What what you gonna go out with? Anything in the world. My go-to expensive meal to break it down like this. I go to Texas Roadhouse. You gotta get all the bread. No, 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 no. They said it's tacky. They said it's tacky for a man to ask for bread at Look. restaurants now. Look, I'll be making it four minutes and 55 seconds before I eat it. The last five seconds, I can't do it. But Texas Roadhouse, <laughs> I need the chicken critters. I need okay. the potatoes loaded. I need the corn. But here's, here's where it takes the kicker. I need the sidekick of the grilled shrimp uh-huh. butter. And I need an orange high tea. That's my that's my expensive. We just did something good meal. So if I was about to die, I would probably go out with that bill because that's the one that like when something good happened, I get a little bit of money in my pocket after being super broke. That's usually how I treat myself. So I would definitely need that lineup right there. 
If they had the chicken critters, I would substitute a steak, but you need chicken tenders for sure. So my last, my last one. Who is your your go artist? My go artist. Yep. That's a good question. I would say Kanye. Kanye, and I, yeah, we here, we here. Yeah, because. College dropout. I once I listened to it in its entirety, I couldn't stop listening to it. Graduation, incredible production. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy might be his best body of work. Um, what else? I just kept. I enjoyed a lot of the records off of Jesus after the initial like we all kind of hated it like once i listened to it probably like 2015 2016 uh-huh. some of these records like i see what he was doing like because yeah. a lot of them records is really just my beautiful dark twisted fantasy he just took away the samples and the melodies he was like y'all just gonna get to the raw bass y'all gonna get these background noises but like they got some vibes to it and then i even enjoyed um What's the what's the one from Wyoming? And it, it's, it's after Life like, of Pablo. Is it Life of Pablo? Or no, it's, it's after. I like Life of Pablo for sure, but I actually enjoy the one after that he dropped around the same time as Kids See Ghosts. I think it's um, damn, what's the name of that one? It's like it's it's got my favorite song on there is um with Charlie Wilson. Girl, I still love you. Yay! It's called Gay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah, that one on there. Um, my favorite record is the one with Charlie Wilson. What's the name of that one? You said what? You said it's on Yay, right? Yeah, it's on Yay. I think it's is it on mine? Yeah, I think so. Either way, I enjoyed a lot of records on that one, uh, Quiet as Cap. I didn't think it was like crazy or anything, but I really enjoyed a lot of records on that. But even outside of his discography, some of the production, the guest verses, um, and just like kind of the restoring the feeling that he did for a side of hip hop in the era, and even to the fashion, and just always kind of being on the cusp of things, I would probably make him my favorite, my favorite, my GOAT artist. Um, GOAT rapper, I would go Jay, but GOAT artist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he is literally like, to me, watching Jay-Z is like watching LeBron. It's like, you, you watch a, a big crowd of people who love him, you watch a big crowd of people who hate him, but at the end of the day, you, you know he's the best to do it right now. I, me okay, me like me personally, I don't really necessarily, I don't really necessarily like Jay Z like that. It's just like I don't like. It's not like a because like I understand his greatness. It's just me personally, it just don't like sit with me. Like Lil Wayne, the other one is another one. Like I know his greatness and I've see it in all the rappers and their wordplay and everything. That's him. A lot of that is him. 
But it's just I don't. It's just it just don't suit. It don't. I don't know. It don't hit for me. I I feel it a hundred percent. I was actually like that probably up to about 2015, 2016 ish. Uh huh. Four forty four. While it's not like a top five Jay Z album or anything. Oh, like, it was hard. That one was hard. That's like one of my favorite but, ones. But what it did for me, kind of in the same way that like watching Kobe in his last couple of years in the league was it was just like I, I took all the emotion out of it. And I was like, I gotta respect what this man is doing. Like uh-huh. he might not have my favorite style, he might not be my favorite rhymer, but to sustain a certain level of excellence throughout so many decades, throughout so many sounds, throughout, you know, so many changes in your career that could have decimated anybody else's right to pop up in on Meek's record and was it 2019 2018 on championships and drop diversity did to do the stuff he did with Nas this year like I I, I he might he, he probably not my top five favorite rapper ever but what I can't do is disrespect him like like he right. do it like it, it's a run that'll probably you know never be replicated the closest person to have it you know as crazy as a run as he's having is, is Drake, and he's Drake is only really in ten years into his run. So, right. Then you talking about Jay Z's yeah. approach in twenty minutes? Minute, man. 20, that, that is years. impressive. Yeah. So yeah, it's just one of the things where it's like I gotta respect him as the gold rapper, but the gold artist, somebody who I appreciate all aspects of them as a musician, what they've done for hip hop, Kanye for sure. Mm-hmm. Man, appreciate you for coming on, taking the time out your day to uh get on the show, man. Definitely been, I definitely been trying to uh, get you on, but um, way got an internship and everything, so I just been tired and not feeling like doing anything. So appreciate you for coming on. I feel that I definitely want to come back again, but next time I don't want no interview. I want us to just pick topics and chop it up because I feel like. That's where you at your best. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at my best. Like, we could have did the whole opposite of who do we think is the most overrated legend? Because I got some Eminem slander. I want to get off. Oh, you t- and I'm in and whole time I'm in Detroit right now, and I just can't hold, it, bro. I got. I've been keeping my mouth shut about it, bro. I don't. He not. I'm not gonna say he's terrible, but dude is mighty overrated. Mighty. He's- He's the most overrated legend, and here's why. Eminem did close to nothing for hip-hop culture. And here's why. Think about Eminem fans in 2021. Would you say Eminem fans are hip-hop fans? No. No. They're Eminem fans. I never thought about it from that perspective. I just thought, I never thought about it from that perspective, but like, that's so, that's so true, man. Eminem did not bring white people into hip hop culture and make them fans of hip hop. Because if that's the case, instead of them going under every little baby post and gonna post and talking about mumble rap this and real rap that, they would go and support artists that sound like Eminem. So Tech 9 Hobson, um, 
any other rapper that's in that same kind of lineage of what Eminem sounds like would be big artists because if they were truly hip hop fans, they would love their sound similarly the same way that you love Eminem. So those years when Elm was on his shit, he wasn't putting stuff out. Right. They flocked over to that. So Eminem had absolutely, he did no crossing over. Really all he did was he was a piece and an icon for people that looked like him. So they were able to admit that they enjoy hip hop music as long as it was somebody that looked like them. So he didn't bring white fans into the culture. And I would argue that if you take every pivotal Eminem moment out of hip hop, you don't miss anything important. If you take Eminem's runaway, you don't miss anything important. If you take Wayne's runaway, even if you don't think he's the greatest, even if you think he's, you know, top whatever, you can't say that Wayne's run in hip hop did shape sound, didn't also show that in a different era, it was possible to sell millions in a week to have these iconic moments. And then also the artists that he introduced to the culture to right. go further that. You can't take his moments away. You can't take Jay's moments away. You can't, can't take, take Jay. Big Pac. Even going back to older artists, Rakim, all of these uh, BC Boys, DMX, Run DMC, you can't take any of their their runs away, or you miss a pivotal moment in hip hop. Right. Somebody who is able to flow in a genre in a bubble, and you know, technically, like, can he rap? Yes. Does he have technical skill? Yes. But was always missing when someone comes into a culture and tries to adapt it without really understanding is that we don't love people just because they're robbers. We love people for the stories they're able to tell, for the balance of the ability of the way that they're on words, for the exactly. way they put together instrumentation and things like that. And people, Eminem fans just bug you to death about telling you how well he rhymes words well, we've been telling you all the time that we don't care how well he rhymes words. Just the same way exactly. with Hobson. We want something well-rounded. And yeah, so he's the most, he's the most overrated quote-unquote legend because like I said, he did not create white hip-hop fans. He created Eminem fans and, the, and then once they were done supporting Eminem, once Eminem's run came, they didn't. They were not anymore invested in hip hop. They were not anymore fans of the culture. They actually hate hip hop culture because Eminem is not there, and they don't have a new Eminem to fill that void. So, yeah, put some music in the ass. So, I never thought. I never thought about it from that perspective. I just, I just thought he was not good. I thought he was super overrated. Yeah, nobody's trying to hear that, man. <laughs> But for real though, thanks again, man, for coming on. But yeah, we definitely um last I got a couple more episodes on this season and then the next season, that's when we're gonna have topics. I'm gonna start like uh getting into some, a lot more like specific topics type stuff. Right now I'm just wanting to highlight some people I know, right. really get their name out there, you know, show love, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, appreciate you for coming on. Uh make sure y'all like, subscribe. Tell your friends, uh, tap and basically tap in. Oh, yeah. Also, before you cut it off, I got oh. an exclusive little snippet I'm going to send you. 
Um, so you can probably throw it in at the beginning or the end or whatever you want to, but it's actually like a Nipsey. Um, I did the instrumental behind it, put Nipsey over it. I really do it. I was like, you know, I'm going to feel a little exclusive. Yeah, and for sure. So, that is either beginning or end, whatever you feel, but I got something for you. That's love, bro. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.